1: from commander's palace restaurant in the garden district in new orleans we're out to lunch with peter Ischutti. Peter Rusciutti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style.
2: Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Generally, we agree that supporting local business is a good thing. When it comes to local food products, though, it can be hard to make good on your intentions. Wandering the aisles in the supermarket, it's difficult to tell what's local and what's not. What's even more difficult is the path each of these local products has to take to get on that supermarket shelf and compete with national brands. Manufacturing food for sale and consumption is, for good reason, a highly regulated process. If you want to sell a commercial food product, you need to make it in a federally approved commercial kitchen. When you're starting out trying to sell your homemade cupcakes or hot sauce, building a commercial kitchen to code is financially impossible. And that's where Edible Enterprises comes in. They have a commercial kitchen, and you can use it. Edible Enterprises is a food business incubator that provides entrepreneurs with the resources they need to develop and market local food products. The executive director of Edible Enterprises, which is a part of the New Orleans Food and Farm Network, is Sanjay Karad. Sanjay, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Windowsill Pies makes pies. (laughs) They describe their pies as southern-styled, French-inspired, and New Orleans-baked. Pies like amaretto pear and dried cherry and dark chocolate peppermint tart are available at all the Whole Foods in New Orleans and at Simone's Market uptown. You can also order a pie online and pick it up from one of a number of locations around town like French Truck Coffee, The Drifter Hotel, and Margie's Grill. This kind of inventive circumvention of mass marketing has come about as a matter of necessity because although pies are sweet, the pie business isn't. Marielle Dupre and Nicole Ayden launched Windowsill Pies in 2011, and their story is an inspirational lesson in navigating the difficult road to small business success. Nicole Aydin is joining me for lunch today. Nicole, welcome down to lunch.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
2: Sanjay, in any startup business, the first big hump to get over is getting from the initial prototype to actual production. As a food incubator, Edible Enterprises provides this invaluable step for food businesses. Now, typically, this kind of assistance is often made possible by an early-stage investor who takes an equity stake in the company. Edible Enterprises is not a venture capital company, so I'm assuming that although you are providing services, like a commercial kitchen, you're not taking an equity
3: stake in every company you work with, or are you? And
2: and how is Edible Enterprises funded?
3: Okay. Well, we don't. We don't take any equity. Um, we incubate small businesses that basically are owner-owned. Um, what we have the help of is that we're subsidized on our rent by uh, St. Charles Parish. So St. Charles Parish pays for a lot of the electricity. So we raise funds through um, grant making for our programs and then we also then charge rent to people who use Edible Enterprises. But one of the biggest challenges actually for starting a business is actually knowing what are the steps to get permitted. That was one of the big things that we learned that we had to do when we started was to demystify the whole process because no one was demystifying the process. And my nonprofit always demystified the process of how to start urban agriculture, so we took that and said, let's demystify how to become permitted. That actually really helped, because we had three uh, tenants when we started. We now have 30, and because they realized they can do, get through the process to get permitted. So you're not just providing that kitchen, you're providing
2: that upfront council as well. Yeah,
3: we're we're the upfront council, testing of recipes, figuring out how to do bigger batches than what you used to do on your stove at home. Uh, We try to do all those things. We also help with uh, connecting up with distributors and also sourcing. One of our big things is we like to get people to source from local local producers because that's how you build a local food economy, and that's why we started doing this.
2: Now, Nicole, I doubt there's anybody who has had a bite of your pies who hasn't told you how great it tastes. You'd think that if everybody loves your pies, it would be a no-brainer that you'd be able to sell them in every store in town. But since you and Marielle launched Windowsill Pies in 2011, it hasn't been quite that simple. Looking back, what in your experience is the missing link between being a talented baker and Windowsill Pies becoming a household name? What do you need to know and what do you need to do to get from baking pies to selling pies.
1: There are so many little steps along the way. We kind of just dealt with the problem that was immediately in front of us and when we solved that a new problem emerged as we grew. Um, A lot of what um, was said about Edible Enterprises, what they offer, we needed and Back then, the only kitchen that we could find was Edible Enterprises, because that was eight years ago, and we heavily considered using it, and we were really impressed. Um, We had some good phone conversations with them. Um, A a different kitchen fell in our lap, so we ended up going a different way, but we still had to learn all those um, protocols and every different kind of... Certification that we needed, um, we just took the long way to learn it to be honest. there wasn't really anyone there facilitating that
2: and then you you came along and you've got a, a kind of your best friend that you met at uh, Matt and natty 's. You he decided to go into business together. Your own background is you were a filmmaker, which uh does not seem related to the pie industry, but I could be wrong
1: well it's creative i I see. I make a lot of things I've always found that making food was my second art form so when I wanted to create a business I wanted to sell something pie was the immediate food that I thought I gave Marielle a call Um, she had gone to culinary school Um, I was a baker myself but she was expert in it and um, she's a very deliberate person and I thought she'd have to sleep on the idea but she said yes and ever since then we've working together side by side
2: you were both working two jobs and you had this which took up you know hours and hours I mean you didn't go in this because you just wanted to make money or it wasn't gonna make an easier to life
1: well eventually we're hoping that it will make our lives um, have a bit of a different type of quality that we're looking for but you're right I mean it we knew that it wasn't gonna be an immediate shift for us so by taking um, a slow approach, we have had the time to learn as we went. And that's been really good because we've been able to learn those business, uh, the, the language of business, essentially. We've been able to iron out our, our QuickBooks flow, um, just gen- general business protocols, our recipes, all of that at a pace that really made room for learning.
2: And Sanjay, you know, we've had, one of the reasons I couldn't wait to have you on the show is we've had so many guests
3: that have come through your kitchens. Uh, Why is it in St. Charles Parish? St. Charles Parish had a building that they put up and did all the capital work to get it there. I think it was in 2009 that they started. Um, But that wasn't built for you. No, it was not built for us. We were approached uh, about four and a half years ago when... Um, Goodwill Industries was was operating it at the time, and um, um, Corey Fauché, who's the economic development director at St. Charles Parish, contacted me asking me who might be a good fit for this. He also contacted my friend Andrea Chen at Propeller, and Andrea and I both called each other and said, hey, what if, I, what if we run this? Because I've always been trying to figure out how do we start building the food economy? How do we create the missing middle of local manufacture? And a few more conversations, and we said, you know, why don't we just start doing that as well? Why don't we start operating this kitchen with the intent that we were going to try to help farmers also sell to a lot of the, the, the people in the place? And that way, you're basically creating more income for farmers, because that's what my nonprofit was doing for the longest time. And it's like, well, why don't we step into to the mess that we have to actually deal with? Because it's, it's not necessarily a straight line in what we were doing. It's often um, people who are buying weekly. So you're, you're not dealing with like, you know, a, a supply chain that's like, you know, like constant. But you're trying to build that trust so that, that that increases. So actually, we have a company that buys a lot of watermelon from the Indian Springs Cooperative in Mississippi for their cocktail syrups. I think a Cocktail & Sons does that. Oh. And then uh, when we had Big Easy Bucha, that started there they source also locally from a lot of farmers. That's a big success story. Yeah, that's a great success story. I mean, um, Austin and, and Alexis have done an amazing job. They, they started there, but what they've done, they've done. Well, they I, compliment uh, yeah. you. I want you to know that. They, yeah, they, well, they did say They're, that. they're sweet.
2: And and I've got to think about this, Nicole, but I you know, talk about maybe not coming in with a business background, but you've done something kind of extraordinary. You've, you've ended up on a lot of uh, grocery shelves, but the idea that you could order online and pick them up at a place like, I guess it's Simone's Market and a few other spots, um, that's pretty innovative.
1: As of now, Simone's is a really good pickup point for the holidays, but on a daily uh, level, customers ordered on our website and then pick up from our commissary kitchen. Oh, okay. We were finding that it was very challenging for both us and our customers to be able to place an order and pick up a pie easily. They had to email us or call us. There was some back and forth about the appointment time. They'd come get the pie, yada, yada. We, with the grant money that we got from the New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, from the Women Entrepreneur Fellowship that the Junior League um, underwrote, we were able to get some money to make our website better fit for us. And so customers now can go right online and order, and it streamlines the process.
2: At some point, uh, do you want to go the bricks and mortar route?
1: well yes we have found that to answer that quickly that's always been our vision a little more thorough answer is between the challenges of the customer having to think ahead and place an order through our website to the um the necessity of having more direct sales Certainly wholesale is great. We want to keep our current wholesale accounts and grow them. But the margins of wholesaling food, is they're very slim. In order to retain more of the profits from our hard work, which is incredibly important for the future of windowsill pies, we've got to sell more pies directly to customers. And we're going to do that through our European-style coffee shop, which will be a lovely, very comfortable place where you can get, you know, a local beer on tap or wine by the glass alongside of coffee. Savory pie, sweet pie, multi-age, wonderful community spot. Um, so that's what we're working on now.
2: You're listening to Out to lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Nicole Iden from Windowsill Pies and Sanjay Karad from the New Orleans Food Business Incubator, edible enterprises. Sanjay, we have a lot of students at Tulane that are always kind of trying to come up with a new food business and such. And one of the things that uh, they seem to hit a wall against is uh, they could produce it at at home in their own kitchens, but then to get that next step, they need that that commercial kitchen. Is there a a line that the government sets on?
3: Well, there's the uh, cottage food law, which allows for certain products to be made um, like baked goods. jellies, things like that, uh, up to $20,000 worth of sales. And um, beyond that, and I guess it's based on like, how much your sales are, they, they have to then find a different type of kitchen to go into. Um, our kitchen is basically a packaged good kitchen, but of course there's commissary kitchens that you can also do some things in. The food laws are kind of gray in the state, and, um, and do they differ state to state? They differ state to state. Um, we get a lot of calls from people who want to do certain things that they can never do at the kitchen. And we try to help them because it's like, well, they want to start a business. Even though it's not here, we still have to help them, right? And um, we, also, we get a lot of people who do it with smoked meats who want to then just package them. But they can't do that at our kitchen. I still don't have an answer for that. But, you know, you get a lot of people like that, a lot of people want to do fresh juice uh, packing and you have to pasteurize that and it has to be a cold facility, you can't do that. Uh, we don't really get a lot of bakers because there is that, that there's a very small margin there, so like paying for a kitchen and doing all that may not be really worth it for, for a lot of people. And Sacha, what are we talking about here, uh, There's there are there a couple of
2: kitchens together? Is there's that what? two
3: kitchens. Um, that have a bunch of equipment. We also have a, a label machine that like does uh, labels on bottles. And um, does the
2: the person with the product do they they kind of carve out some hours during the week they can have. We have, have an that?
3: online scheduling system, so it's open twenty four seven either kitchen. So you you know we constantly get updates on our on our on our phones about who's who's scheduling, and um, it just basically makes streamlines. It was one of the things that we had to do in the beginning was. We computerized everything because everybody computerizes everything, so it made it simpler for people so they could pay online, they could schedule online, they could decide in the middle of the night that they're going in the the morning, so instead of calling me up and (laughs) scheduling something, (laughs) it, it made it a lot easier. Now, Sanjay and Nicole, this is the part of the show we call your
2: brother-in-law. It's been a long day, and you're finally getting out of the kitchen. When your phone rings, it's your brother-in-law. Now, usually he only calls when he wants to use your Costco account, but this time it's different. Uh, This time he has a business proposition. Uh, Sanjay, your brother-in-law says Edible Enterprises is possibly the most valuable company name in the country. Edibles are the hottest product in the food market. In Colorado, California, and other states <laughs> where marijuana is legal, edibles are foods that contain pot. Uh, according to Forbes, the edible market in California alone is $180 million. In uh, Washington State, the edibles market is growing at about 121%. Your brother-in-law is prepared to quit his day job and travel around to all the pot companies who make edibles and put together a collection of high-quality products that you can market collectively under the banner Edible Enterprises. So, uh, What do you tell your brother-in-law, seeing that you do own the name
3: Edible Enterprises? Is your brother-in-law onto a potentially good idea here? I think there's a lot of competition in the edible market right now. I'm always open to listening to the idea and looking at the numbers of anybody. I mean, we let people in at Edible Enterprises with an idea, maybe not even a recipe yet, and we'll listen, and then we'll be honest with them. So it might be a good idea, but the numbers may not work.
2: Now, Nicole, your brother-in-law has an idea for how to expand into a whole new market kids. It's great to have sophisticated flavors for adults, but your brother-in-law says think of the size of the market for kids. He came up with this idea at Yogurtland where kids take a tiny tablespoon of yogurt and then heap on top of it, busted up candy bars, Oreos, M&M's, gummy worms, chocolate chips, and the list goes on. It's total junk, and kids love it, and their parents are paying probably 20 times more than if they had bought the same candy at the drugstore. Your brother-in-law says you could make candy pies for kids. As far as he can tell, there's no competing pie for kids product out there. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Is there any merit to the idea of making pies for kids?
1: As a parent myself, I know how much parents are always looking for a place to go that they can bring their kids and that's actually why we want kids to feel welcome at windowsill pies so we will have pies oriented towards them now regarding specific flavors aimed at kids they would have to fall within the general mission of windowsill pies that would it would still have to be seasonal, handmade, all of the things.
2: All the that, things that kids don't like. Yeah, so they, a...
1: it wouldn't be off brand, off mission rather. Um, but I do think that parents do go where they're, where they can take their kids. So I think there's some wisdom to it.
2: Saji, in terms of this place in Norco, we've had a number of people talk about St. Charles Parish as being a place that, first of all, just, just has some funding. And, uh, um, you hear it in the schools, you hear it everywhere else. What is it that makes, I'm not going to say they're a rich parish, but what is it that makes that they, they're in better shape?
3: Um, they have a large industrial tax base. and um, All those and plants we see up and down the, the river? All the plants up and down the river. Um, and also, the, I, I think um, Corey, Corey Foshe, who I work with a lot, they're always looking for being innovative and trying to get businesses there. Um, they're always looking for how they're going to fill warehouses with, with businesses. And I think the idea for Edible Enterprises, for them to have it there, um, is for businesses to grow to the point where like, they need a facility. Um, you know, We talked about Big Easy, Big Easy Bucha. They moved out of Edible Enterprises to a larger facility. And that's
2: sort of a plan, right? That's yeah.
3: the idea. And, and like, we want them to graduate and leave. Uh, not leave and because they shut down their businesses, but because they need to scale up. We've had, we had a, a prowling candy company that w- went to their own facility once they basically perfected their process. I mean, one of the things I think we're really good at is helping um, small businesses f- figure out their process so that they can start cutting costs by automating things or using machines instead of like their hand filling and things like that. So that's what you see a lot of is that. Uh, they figure out their process, they make it more efficient, and then said, all right, we can handle now getting a, a, a facility permitted and move move on so that they don't have to share the kitchen anymore. They could be there 24-7, right? And that's really the, the key. And Nicole, we, you've got a couple of different uh, ways
2: to distribute the pies and such. I'm kind of surprised you don't somehow utilize um, Uber Eats or Waiter.
1: Yeah, we've definitely considered that. And one of our Past um, outlets was going to work on that with us, but um, it didn't really develop. The, uh, develop, but one of the things that we need the retail shop to do that is because we don't always have everything on hand. So that is the critical aspect there, um, and we're not always in the kitchen. There's not always someone to you know get the pie in a bag for the Uber Eats person. So that's definitely on our minds, for sure.
2: There's no doubt that when it comes to food, wherever you live, local is better. If you live in New Orleans, local food is stupendous. Even here, though, there's a gulf between people who make great local food products and those of us who like to buy them. Sanjay Edible Enterprises is doing a great job of bridging that gap. Nicole, Windowsill Pies is a leading example of a local food company that's resourceful, enterprising, and successful. Sanjay and Nicole, it has been great to meet you. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, yes. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Sanjay Karad, He's executive director of the New Orleans Food and Farm Network and Edible Enterprises. And Nicole Iden. she's the co-owner and baker of Windowsill Pies. You can find out more about Sanjay's Enterprises and Nicole's Pies by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle, And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com, on its New Orleans Facebook page, and itsneworleans on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international court Client base, JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour Podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness.